Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Hey, right, come on up, guys. We're here to accept the award on behalf of Rob Atai for um, uh, best non-speakers yeah. to Legatus. Uh, we're really just here to celebrate Rob. It's yeah. a great night for him. Yeah, Rob, um, thank you so much. We just want to continue to just keep talking about Rob tonight. Exactly. You know? so. yeah, we're just here to just rejoice in Rob. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, it's a great honor to be with you. I'm so uh, thankful that Rob brought me into this world. <laughs> Love you, Dad. No, I didn't do that. All right. Yeah, so we usually pray uh, before our podcast. So um, anytime you add um, scotch and bourbon to uh, microphones, you usually need to ask the intercession of the guardian angels and patron saints. So let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, everywhere present and filling all things, treasury of blessing and giver of life, come and dwell within us. Cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O gracious one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then we press record, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. So what we're doing tonight is uh, just kind of a live podcast, which, as Rob learned, uh, working with us over the last year, is possibly the most unprofessional apostolate in the history of the Catholic Church. Right. Uh, including, like, uh, a couple days ago, when uh, Tom... I ran into him at the Good Shepherd. He goes, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, oh, we'll figure that out by uh, right. Thursday. So we have done this so for 10 years, and we've recorded over 500 episodes. And the story behind it is what we want to share tonight, a little bit about why the podcast began, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. But behind it is a community of priests, some of whom are, are friends here, called the Companions of Christ. And really, what is distinctive? Thank you. Both of these initiatives would never have started without the support of uh, many of the people in this room, some of whom have known us for a very long time. And so we are uh, deeply grateful to be back with uh, you tonight. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the podcast, about the uh, companions, but also we have, uh, being a nerdy we have a topic. theologian that I am, I brought a, a book that uh, we're going to pull a couple things from. It's this uh, little tome by Joseph Ratzinger called Principles of the Catholic Theology, but we'll get to that later on. So. I mean, the whole point is... Um, one person prepares the topic and the other person just brings the banter. So uh, the, uh, the person who's uh, performing the topic or giving the topic has to refrain from multiple beverages. Yeah. The guy who's doing the banter usually goes more beverages. Right. So um, very appreciative to our bartender for yes. serving me as soon as I walked in the door uh, before mass was even over. Uh, so um, uh, we're ready to party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was very grateful. I was, I was actually the reason why uh, we, we took the invitation from Legatus. Um, Father John is usually the one that signs me up for things that uh, I don't want to do. And I just wanted to repay the favor and just be like, we should go to Legatus. And because normally we're the ones on the other side eating pizza whenever Legatus comes to the seminary and you guys make our night and yeah. you have your party and we kind of stay out of the way. But neither of us have owned, neither of us, uh, have had a job longer than a year. Uh, we've never been uh, CEOs or, I don't know, accountants or responsible human beings. Uh, so, so the question is, why do you, you want to hear from us? And uh, I, what I wanted to do was actually be able to tell, you, to tell you the story because 
in part, uh, we are the fruit of so many other persons' labors um, from the Archdiocese of Denver. And uh, the source of our communion is found in our brotherhood. And uh, sometimes, like, you're just focused on what people do, what they, what they, uh, are, what they're able to offer other persons. A lot of times people encounter the podcast, but they, they don't really know, like, who are the brothers who form the kind of community from which the podcast grew. And uh, for us, like, we actually want to be able to share with you um, the, the goal of the Companions of Christ is not, you know, to produce a great podcast. One of the fruits of uh, our life together is a podcast. Another fruit of our life is a great parish known as Our Lady of Lords. And Father Brian would not be able to be as awesome as he thinks he is uh, were, it, were it not for brothers that actually bring him back to earth. Right. Um, we have uh, 11, 11, 12. Do you forget 13, how many kids you have 13, sometime? 13. We have 13 now? Yeah, 13 now. Yeah. Priests? Yeah. Yeah. You're counting Olo you still? Yeah, I have another beverage. Are you, uh, no, I'm good. Hey, can we, uh, can we kind of warm it up a little bit before we get into the heavy stuff, though? I want to tell them a story from a couple weeks ago. Is that all right? Sure. All right. That's fine. So when we go out to dinners, you know, we live in community. The whole point of the Companions is that we want to live as a family, and uh, we think that priests, believe it or not, this is going to sound like a crazy idea, but if priests live in community and live like a family, they're going to be healthy human beings and healthy priests. I know. Shocker. Shocker. We've never met... We've never met a married person who hasn't been like, duh, you know? And what we've discovered is that for centuries, this is how priests lived. It's just, it's unprecedented in our day uh, that we live in an extraordinary time where priests live alone. And you think of priests as kind of uh, lone rangers, right? And we're trying to kind of change the culture by giving guys an opportunity to live differently, to live together, to live in community. So anyways, two weeks ago, I dragged him. Uh, He's a homebody. He's the pastor at St. Joan of Arc Parish. He would never leave his parish boundaries if... uh, was that a shout out to? Well, they go to. I have people that live in my parish boundaries, but go to a different parish. But they're here. So the Rikerts, thank you so much for your faith. Love you guys. They have they have better taste. They have better taste, I guess. No, no, they come they come to daily mass. They're there sometimes for Sunday mass. So I gestured towards them. The St. Louis Cardinals are losing right now. He's not in a good mood. So it's. It's no, going to get not. worse as the night goes on. So anyways, two weeks ago, I drag him out of his rectory. and We go over to family's house for dinner. We go with another priest. He's coming later because he's got the mass. Uh, this family has five kids. Um, and uh, Thomas and, and Samantha Reichert is their name. And, uh, or excuse me, Bayer. And, they, uh, and their, their three-year-old comes up to me and he's got a gun. He's got a wooden gun and he puts it up to me and he goes, he, he looks me right in the eye and he goes, you work hard and you get paid. And I was like, Robert, I was, he's three years old. You work hard, you get paid, and he's got a gun on me. And I'm Legatus, like, Legatus, 2050. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. We said to him, You're the next Rob Atai, right? You know? <laughs> he wishes. So he looks at me and he says, And I said, Who told you that? And he goes, Jesus. And I was like, Oh, okay, Jesus told you that. You work hard, you get paid. And I said, When Father Nathan shows up, I want you to put that gun right in his leg, right? And you tell him that exact thing, right? So he shows up about a half hour later. But Robert changes the script on him, right? Yeah. Puts the gun at him and he goes, do you have any money? <laughs> which, I, which I did. I had just come over from mass, not at the collection, but like I knew that I needed to bring my wallet, you know, because I was driving. So my wallet was on me. So there's this little kid and I'm like, 
Yeah. So then he puts the gun even further in him and he goes, where is it? It's in my pocket. And he goes, give it to me now. Give it to me now. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen happen. So. And then I realized he'll work for the government. <laughs> it's one of these examples, though, of like uh, our life as priests, uh, we want to share these things, these kind of ridiculous experiences with, you know, with three-year-olds who are extortionists and pulling money out of Father Nathan and these things. It's, this is part of the life that uh, we desire to live as brothers. And uh, very early on in our discernment uh, of priesthood, we realized, there's a number of us that realized uh, we want to live together uh, because we want to be able to share life as priests. And we actually think, paradoxically, we actually think that if you, if you live together, you're going to be more fruitful, right? You can spread everybody out millions of miles uh, and cover all the bases, but if guys are unhealthy and they get into patterns of dysfunction, which we've seen too much, right, in the last few decades, uh, they're not actually going to bear more fruit. And we had some great support, one of which was Dr. Tim Gray, who was our uh, scripture professor, huge inspiration to us in seminary. And uh, through the support of the archbishop at the time, Archbishop Shapu, uh, we founded an association of priests called the Companions of Christ. And the idea is very simple. It's that uh, we create an opportunity in the diocese where priests can live three or more, right? So instead of three guys at three different parishes in Boulder, Colorado, for example, you take one rectory, you put them together, but you don't just put bodies in the same building, you actually share life together. Mm -hmm. So you share life at families together, right? And you tell stories and you get to just experience and, and um, kind of move through life of prayer together, of meals. And there's a whole structure and kind of a rhythm and an order to it. And again, we're not saying it's for everybody, but it should be for some, right? What, is, what was ordinary, which is priests living in community, became extraordinary. We lived alone. And now we're trying to reverse that and say, let's at least create a possibility where priests can live together. Yeah, and I was, I was blessed in that uh, I worked for Focus as a Focus missionary for two years. I was in North Dakota uh, for the first year. Uh, yeah, Annie, that's right. Um, one North Dakotan um, in the crowd, <clears throat> not big North Dakota fans. Uh, but then I was assigned, uh, I, I quickly left North Dakota, which most North Dakotans do, um, and uh, I came to Colorado. Um, I didn't want to come to Colorado. I, I thought I was actually going to the University of Illinois back home. That's where I went to college. I went on silent retreat. Uh, they said, after I got off silent retreat, you're actually going to CU Boulder, which I said, oh, that's cool. Um, I, I only knew it as the People's Republic of Boulder from Illinois. Uh, I worked in politics, so you know, I was up for the challenge. And then um, uh, at the last minute, uh, a guy by the name of Jason Wunsch, uh, who's now Father Jason Wunsch, who entered seminary with me, uh, was a focused missionary for longer than me, so he had sort of tenure. Uh, and he said, I want to go to Boulder, so you're going to go somewhere else. So I went to University of Denver and Colorado School of Mines. Um, a guy that didn't ski, so I was a total loser at DU. Um, and a guy that did political science, so I was definitely uh, intellectually inferior to everyone at Colorado School of Mines. Um, but I was blessed in that um, I uh, did not like getting up early for mass. Uh, I used to time my yogurt or uh, oatmeal. Uh, on, a, on a watch so that I knew the exact moment I could finish eating and still receive communion at St. Vincent of Paul um, at uh, 8 a.m. with um, uh, Father Dan Zemmersheed. Um, and, uh, and then eventually I found out that there was a mass at the seminary and, and went over to St. John Vianney and eventually like realized that the Lord was calling me. Uh, at some point you don't realize Archbishop Shapu just tells you you're called here. Why don't you join? Um, and uh, came, to, came to Colorado from Illinois um, and joined the archdiocese and was like, 
why are you calling me here? Why are you calling me to Colorado when all of my family lives in uh, southern central Illinois? Um, kind of the, the dividing line between Cubs and Cardinals. Um, and, uh, and then within a year of me being here, the Companions of Christ were formed. And I realized that this might be the reason why God called me out here. And, you know, as with anything, you got to play hard to get. You know, they kind of go, they kind of chase after you, say, I'm not really interested. And then eventually, you, you know. got a signing bonus. It all worked out. That's right. Um, and, you know, just really felt like I wanted to live with brothers. I knew I wanted to be a priest. But if I would have gone home to Illinois, I might have been one of the only men of orthodoxy in my diocese. And that was a, that was a terrifying thought because I didn't want to try and win souls alone. I had been brought up in a family. I'd worked for a focus with other missionaries. I wanted to be part of a collective who were actually focused on the same goal. And I was blessed in that uh, the Companions of Christ started before I could, you know, completely naysay it. And, and then eventually, you know, fell uh, in with a, a number of other brothers whose number now is 13. I don't know if you know that. Um, and, uh, we all serve at different parishes, um, but we're blessed that we are starting to see, uh, the opportunity to live together. So now for the first time, uh, in the history of our organization, we have three different households of community, uh, where priests are living together and serving either at the same parish or at, at multiple parishes. And we're starting to see the fruits of our life come together, but the podcast, thank you. Thank you. The podcast was actually the fruit of, of two of the original companions of Christ, which are uh, Father John and Father Mike. Father Mike sends his greetings. He's uh, assigned to the Cathedral Basilica, and, uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the night off. So uh, we were... You think we're bad at email. That guy, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, forget he's it. on a whole nother level. So, yeah. So uh, Father John will tell you the story how the podcast began. So we, uh, I was on a road trip with some buddies. Um, this is 10 years ago. Um, and podcasts were not really a thing. Right. So, but my, I have this kind of random eccentric friend and he, we were on our way up to Banff, Canada, uh, to do a little fishing and uh, climbing. And he put on this podcast and we're like, what is a podcast? And the podcast was called stuff you should know, which is still a very famous and, and very well done podcast. Uh, the concept was intriguing to me. It was two guys having a conversation, one of whom had kind of researched and kind of prepared a topic on anything basically. Um, and it just so happened that the topic of that we were listening to was on exorcisms. And I wasn't a priest yet, but I had been formed enough to know that this was a disaster. This was a totally terrible presentation. And one of the guys was clearly an ex-Catholic, right? They just, all kinds of baggage, all kinds of spin. And uh, on that road trip, I was just like, we should start a podcast. We should start Catholic stuff you should know. And uh, so we wrote them and they foolishly said, sure, no problem. I, I didn't think they didn't think it was going to be anything. And it was Father Mike Rapp and myself. Uh, at the time, it was... Deacon Mike. He was a deacon, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just John. This is uh, a long time ago. Uh, this is about 11 years ago. And uh, so we started recording. And uh, we had all these kind of great principles and values that we were like, we're never going to go longer than 10 minutes. That was in the beginning. So if you've listened from the beginning, they get longer and longer and longer, especially when a certain character joined us about six months later, right? That's right. Father Nathan's never been short on words. And so... That's right. My dad's a meat salesman and I'm a preacher. So he says, we're both paid by the word. That's right. So, <laughs> so the podcast began. We started publishing a weekly recording 
Um, I have a hard time listening to the early ones because they're so bad. Uh, oh, they're just, it's painful. But we were, you know, pups and we didn't know what we were doing. And um, we've had a wonderful 10 year, almost 11 years. We celebrated the 10th anniversary in January and there was people from all over the country that flew in and we had a, just a, a fantastic night. Father Leonard was hosted at the seminary and uh, it was a great, great moment. There was another priest, there were several other guys who have been with us through the way, but the, the one who was really involved was the Byzantine priest here in town for another is Father Michael O'Loughlin. If you know him, he's like the hip, he was the hippest priest in town and uh, we miss him a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Olo. Yeah. She knows. You know. Yeah. yeah, he's he's great. So, but he's he was transferred to L.A. because he's a Byzantine priest, so he covers a, a larger region. He's not for our diocese. So it's the three of us, and um, it has been a great adventure. But really, when we talk about the podcast, it's not something that we uh, kind of formally do. It's just kind of like pressing record on our life, right? And if you understand that the podcast is a fruit of the companions, it makes a lot more sense, right? A lot of people don't like it because uh, if you want good Catholic content, you should go to form.org. You go to Tim Gray. Exactly. Tim Gray, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. This is where the real stuff happens in this building, right? It does not happen on the podcast. If you but, want polished, like short to the point answers, that's called Catholic answers. If you want really good looking priests talking about theology, that's Father Mike Schmitz. That's not me. I am not the face of the new evangelization. Really appreciate everything that those guys are doing, you know, uh, like we, we look at the rankings, we look at different, different things uh, that, that people are, are listening to. And, you know, Father Robert Barron or Bishop Robert Barron uh, has been in the business for a number of years and uh, he's been up there with the heavy hitters. And for you to understand like the heavy hitters, it's like Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, uh, that schmarmy Catholic or Christian salesman down in Houston whose name escapes me, the guy that sells Jesus. You know what I'm talking about with the Joel Olstein. Exactly. So, um, so he's Bishop Barron is up there with, with, with these guys um, kind of proclaiming the gospel in this forum. And we're just happy to be in like his, you know, jet fumes. So like further down the line somewhere, you know, is Catholic stuff you should know but we're happy to be able to offer a different kind of voice because I actually, I don't know of another podcast that has two priests talking to each other about a shared life. They might be talking about the catechism together. They may be talking about the saints together, but they're not talking about how one guy can't make vegetables uh, to save his True. life. It's a lot harder than it looks, right? Apparently, I can't cook and he is very snobby about the food. That he, he chooses eats. not to learn how to cook so that other of us can continue to keep cooking. Some of so. us were born to do dishes, right? You know, it's better, you know, at least we, we contribute in our own way. We also uh, almost got sued because in the early days we had, all the lawyers are, you know, yeah. up all of a sudden like, whoa, what? You know, we started this podcast. It's just a couple of dudes. And uh, so we're like, oh, we'll just pick a song we like. And it was this Bella Fleck song. It's kind of great folk song and just kind of threw it on and started recording. It's just the little intro music. You do that for, you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see where this is going. So then a lawyer friend of ours is like, you know, that's probably not going to be, we got to resolve this. So he reaches out to the music company and they're like, uh, we're going to sue you for not just for every episode, but for every download, download right? Yeah. This podcast has close to 100,000 downloads a week, right? We're talking about over 9 million. So we're running the numbers and we're like, 
So that's, that's why we're here today, you know? We're here to ask for a little assistance. Yeah, exactly. So it all worked out. We changed the song. Everything's cool. But uh, we've learned a little bit along the, uh, along the road. And, uh, but the biggest thing is that uh, the podcast becomes for us, and this is what we'll shift into a little topic here tonight. Uh, it's kind of about getting Catholic content out, but not in just an objective way, content in a relational, in a relational way. Because the faith is a different kind of knowledge, right? You can't prove Jesus is God like you can prove two plus two. It's a different kind of knowing. It's a knowledge in relationship because the, the, the Christian message is ultimately founded on testimony, on witness, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit working through that, right? When Father Nathan tells you he's from central Illinois and he's not a Cubs fan, you have a choice to believe that or to deny that, right? I would really encourage you not to doubt that because he has strong opinions about the Chicago Cubs. I'm also from Chicago as well. But you have a choice to do that based on your experience of the trustworthiness of this man and that knowledge and relationship. And that's how the faith is. And I think oftentimes the mistake we've made is that we present things in kind of just a content as if the Catholic faith was the catechism that just kind of fell from the sky and we just kind of have to spoon feed kids the information that they need. And ultimately what that does is it removes the, the communal context, the familial context. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that if priests live that robustly, if they really live in that nitty gritty way where somebody says, I love you, it's time to learn how to cook Brussels sprouts, right? Because I'm sick and tired of eating it. If you don't have that in your life, something's missing, right? I know. Just, you know, paying a little. Thank you. Yeah. Or if you load the dishwasher the wrong way, which is another big deal for him. I, there's all kind of, we could go on and on and on and on here. So the, uh, but if you, this the, is the, what happens when you live with nerves. That's right. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting a clear picture into this life. But there's something human that's recovered by living in community, and the faith is transmitted in a different way, right? We really believe that, I think Father Brian Larkin, who we've talked about here, got the Kellys with us in the front, probably the best preacher in town, uh, certainly one of the best. Uh, I think he's better because he lives with guys who love him and, and, and give him a hard time when he needs it, and also love him and encourage him when, uh, when he needs that as well. And I think that it changes the way that we're speaking, the way that we're communicating, and uh, and the podcast is, is it's part of that, right? So, are you going to launch into the topic, or do you I want can? Yeah. Well, I would just I would just say normally when you hear a priest, you are seeing and hearing him like in his full garb, um, you know, in the fancy robes, hopefully sober, um, and uh, they are they are presenting to you something that you should be focused on, you should be attentive to, and you're listening perhaps in a way that you are accustomed to, perhaps even from your childhood. That this is the priest, he's somehow superhuman, uh, he's floating down on a cloud, he's presenting the gospel, and then he floats away into the sacristy and blesses, you know, grandma's uh, scapular, her fifth colored scapular that, you know, she wants to wear before dying, um, which is a good thing. Um, but I would say that the fruit, of the, the fruit of the podcast is that it allows people to actually enter into the lives of priests to hear, at times, the anguish that goes on behind, behind the, the pulpit or behind, you know, the rectory, that it's not just like, this isn't just a job. This isn't something that we do nine to five and then we go home and, you know, put on Netflix and just check out, you know, and not pay attention. It's like we are actually debating with each other about what it means to allow our people to, be, to go to Mass without masks on, or to be able to go to Mass and receive communion in their cars, like over Zoom, 
Like, is that part of the faith? We don't get, you know, an Apple update from the archdiocese that says, this is how you should think. Paul Dudzik would actually like that, okay? <laughs> so, but, but we actually have to fight this out amongst each other, and we have to realize that sometimes there's a difference of opinion, and different guys run their parishes or, or, or see things from a different vantage, and I need to hear that. Because in my parish, uh, I, I'm, I'm the top dog, but in my brother's, I'm like, you know, a brother. I'm somebody who's actually in relationship. And then I, I can begin to present like what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with in a way that's not like, I've got everything figured out. Don't worry about me. I have the answers. Let me give it to you. It's like, we are, we're making sausage. It's not, it's not a pretty sight, but there's an investment. There's, there's actually a, a gift of self that goes into that. So tonight, um, one of the reasons why we didn't have a topic is now I think it makes a bit more sense that uh, we're kind of drawing from life, you know? So we're thinking, we're praying, but it's, we didn't have the topic a year ago because we didn't know we'd be thinking and praying and what we'd be interested in. So tonight, what we're just presenting is, what am I talking about with my seminarians this week? What's in their hearts? What's in our, th I teach fundamental theology and Mariology at the seminary this fall. And fundamental theology is theology and self-reflection. It's like the very foundations. What is revelation? What is scripture? What is tradition? What is faith? What is theology? Trying to lay the groundwork before we start to do all these other specific uh, kinds of theology. What am I talking about with my guys? What is he doing in his parish? And then what are the broader things that are going on in the archdiocese? I want to kind of pull three of those together and then we'll kind of reflect on a couple of points that will hopefully apply mm -hmm. to your life and your apostolates that you're involved in. All yeah. right. And then Rob will receive two more awards, and then we all go home. <laughs> he doesn't receive the awards. We announce the awards. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So um, Father Nathan Global was in uh, New York City this weekend, and he was speaking to a group of uh, uh, friars called the CFRs. They're affectionately known as the Community of the Friars of Renewal. Now, the first thing that's striking about that is why is a diocesan priest being fl flown into New York to talk to a community of Franciscan friars who are legit, amazing, about, of all things, community. And he gave three conferences last weekend about community, different aspects of community. And so that was something that I was very intrigued in and I wanted to kind of reflect on tonight. I came across a Ratzinger line that is just money from this very dense and difficult book, but still encourage you to, to check it out sometime, Principles of Catholic Theology. We're reading it in my fundamental theology class. That uh, was tying into some things that are resonating in my guys' hearts and that things that I'm kind of talking to them about. And then the third thing is that the Archbishop, his kind of new vision, and we got Keith here as well, laying this out, we're trying to move the diocese and our parishes from maintenance to mission. You might have heard this kind of in the air now. This is really, this is exciting stuff. This is beautiful. We want to get out of a maintenance mode, right? Where we're just checking all the boxes and doing what we've always done in the church and in the parish. We want to get into a missionary mode that's a radically different way of living it. The point of tonight's talk is to say that what we want to reflect on is the role of community, or what we could call communion, in that movement from maintenance to mission. You can't just do things differently. We have to live differently because the essence of the new evangelization of evangelization in general is the communication of a way of life. Jesus is not just a doctrine, right? He's not just a set of ideas, but he is the way. And that has to be lived in a communal context 
in order to facilitate that. So one thing that we're interested in that we're talking about with the companions, we have meals together all the time. We're always riffing on these things. Like we're, we're just interested in what's happening. What is the Archbishop doing? He's the success of the apostles. How is this being communicated? And, and we really want to situate that notion of communion or community in that movement between maintenance and mission, which I think involves all of us in the church right now. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I would just say that if you look at the documents from Vatican II and can draw out one word, it's communion, that the church finds its source in communion. It's called to witness to the world about the possibility of communion. And I think even in this time of COVID, we realize given every material good that we are able to get through Grubhub and Netflix and whatever, however you, Grizzly, is it Drizzly or something, where you order booze to your house, um, there's still a longing in the human heart to actually share life with another and to be known and to know another. And when those uh, ordinary ways of coming together are pulled away from us, and for us, like, uniquely, that's, you know, in the church, people actually go crazy, and they begin rioting. And it's not just because persons are abused or there's a power struggle in the United States. It's actually because there's a longing in the human heart that we're trying to answer in different ways. So it's not our responsibility to actually give them the answer. Sometimes it's just our responsibility as priests or as you know, people on this podcast to actually point to why is it that we have this desire? Why is it that we have this desire for communion that is actually founded in the human heart from the very beginning, from our mother's womb. It's a, it's a relational reality, and it continues throughout our life. And we have to focus on that and actually see why God has put a hunger in us that only he can satisfy. So it's 1982. Joseph Ratzinger uh, has moved. He was the Archbishop of Munich until 1980. And the, the very young, vibrant John Paul II that some of you remember calls him to Rome and for the next 20 years, he's going to work in what's called the prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. So he's going to see over all of the doctrinal issues in the church and kind of be John Paul's right-hand man before he later becomes Pope Benedict XVI. He writes this book in 1982. Right? It's hard to believe that's uh, 40 years ago, right? We're coming up on 40 here pretty quick because we were born in 83. Uh, so he's writing this a, long, a, a while ago, but it so resonates, not just right now, but like literally in the moment and in the chaos of 2020. So listen to this. This is what he says. He says, faith confers community. Faith confers community. Vanquishes loneliness. He who believes is not alone. Think about this in light of the COVID world we're living in, right? We've, we've pulled all of these things back, all of these restraints, all of these difficulties. We've isolated people. You walk through the grocery store, you don't even look or talk to anybody anymore. Everybody's masked up. Everything is protocol, sanitized. Psychologically, what is this doing to people? I think that we're entering into a deeper kind of existential loneliness culturally than ever before. And I think the effects of this spiritually are devastating. And Ratzinger's words here are countering that, right? Faith confers community and it vanquishes loneliness. He who believes is not alone. Further down, he continues, Today, when natural communities have broken up and the walls of isolation have become higher and higher, when natural communities have broken up and the walls of isolation have become higher and higher, human beings seek and need community more than ever before. That is a striking insight. There has never been a time in human history when human beings desired and needed community more than they do right now. And we're utterly starved for it. And like Father Nathan was saying, 
technologically, we have a prowess that's kind of unprecedented. We feel like we can do anything, right? We have a whole new operative worldview of self-creation. We feel like we can just create and do anything, right? We feel like we've moved beyond Christianity, right? It's been judged as a mistake, as a failure. These things are not needed. Man has finally been liberated from all of this and what is happening. They're desperate because their hearts are made for community. And we know as Christians, because God is himself a community of persons. God is himself a communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Inner Trinitarian relationships are the heart of our faith. And Jesus expresses that as the Son of God. We're made for that, and we have to live in that. Okay? I can keep going unless you have any points. Yeah. No, I want to hear the next one because I think okay. I'll jump in on that. So human beings seek and need community more than ever before. That, that in itself is striking, right? And as I'm talking to my seminarians about this, this you know, this morning at 8 a.m., uh, they're kind of like, you know, kind of falling asleep. But I'm saying, guys, are you thinking about this? What is your experience of community, right? Are you ready to go be a lone ranger? Are you ready to just dispense sacraments? We know that in our culture, one in three kids who are baptized disaffiliate from the Catholic faith by the time they're in college. One in three. In, de- in the United States, in the, in the Mountain West, it's one in two, right? We're living in the most secular demographic and we're watching devastating numbers happen, not just in lapsation, not just the not practicing of the faith, but of the actual full disaffiliation of the faith. I said, gentlemen, are you ready to face that? Are you going to spend your life giving sacraments to people who are going to leave the faith when they turn 18? Or are we going to live differently? Are we going to think differently? And it's not fundamentally about what do we do practically. It begins with how we live. And it begins by how we live together as brothers, right? And that we reform our parishes so that they become experience, profoundly experiences of communion. Okay. And how, what a tragedy would be if the priest is pointing to this for all of the families and all of the you know, young persons, but they're not living it themselves. So there's a hunger that is being satisfied in the human heart right now. Tragically, it took COVID for people to realize eating together is actually a joyful experience. Keeping your phones away and actually encountering each other leads to better conversations. Having to form a liturgical ritual as a family instead of going to Mass is a way of honoring the Sabbath that perhaps we never attempted before because we just went to Mass and that's just what we did. And what is the, what is the goal of common recreation? It's that we rejoice in not just this activity, but in being together. And those are the part of the hallmarks of our life and community as, as priests together, that we actually have these stable points in which, yes, I could go out to all of these different families' houses for dinner on a Saturday night, but instead we retreat back and share life together as priests. It was actually devastating when there was a time as, as priests that we couldn't, we couldn't gather together to actually share a meal or to pray together. So we felt that absence just as much as you did. And it's important for us to not only to be satisfied, but also to identify the same hungers that we're identifying in our person, in our, in our parishioners and in the people that we serve. So our, our interest and our desire in reading this in the companions is that men would become, that, that priests would become men of communion. That's what John Paul II calls us to. And that's kind of the heart of our thing, men of communion. But this is not just for priests, right? This is for Legatus. We want men yes. and women of communion. And so as we read these thoughts from Ratzinger, I want you really reflecting on your life. How are we living our marriage, our family? How are we living in the workplace as an experience of communion? Yes. Is there something different that is experienced by the people, my employees, the people that I work with? Is it different? Is the culture different? Is there really something palpable 
Are they experiencing something differently? And then the big question, of course, is your experience of a parish actually an experience of community? And for many of us, sadly, it's not. Yes. And my guys were saying that, and, and I said, what was your experience like in the parish? And they were like, it really wasn't a sense of community. Right? Where are we bringing people into when we bring them out of the world? Right? We want to locate them back into that. And that's what Ratzinger says. So I'll just continue here a little more. The church must reflect again on the possibility that she has the answer, the answer of man's desire for communion. She must learn to offer men the experience of community to make them open to community. Precisely here lies the potential for making men joyful. If she is actually to do so, she must learn far more than she knows now. The church is being invited in this moment of history in a very clear way. And the church is not the hierarchy, right? The church is fundamentally Mary. I teach Mariology. This is my shtick. That's a whole other topic. He's very sick of hearing about this right now, right? We've done many, many topics on this. But the church is fundamentally feminine. She's fundamentally maternal. Mary is the comprehensive image and archetype of the church. The hierarchy is essential. But the church is not the hierarchy. It's not the priests, right? It's the people of God inserted into the body of Christ. And so when Ratzinger tells us we have to recreate our families, our priesthood, our parishes, our workplaces to become events of communion, that's all of our work. That's all of our task. Mm -hmm. We have to set community back at the center of everything, right? And though we want to get into mission, mission is a fruit of communion. Mission is not the starting point. Communion is the essence of the Trinity. The mission is what flows out of the Trinity. When Jesus becomes when the second person of the Trinity becomes man and the Holy Spirit descends, we call those missions from God. And we share in that, right? That the Trinity is fundamentally communion and then mission. And likewise, all of our apostles, all of the work, all of the beautiful things that are happening in this very building every single day is the fruit of communion. And I can honestly say, knowing the guys who founded this place and who began we were there in the Shapu era when it was Curtis Martin and Tim Gray and the list of rock stars that were making this happen, and they were friends. There was real friendship. There was real communion, and we felt drawn into that, and that's what gave us the strength, and especially knowing these lay men who were leaders and heroes to us to say, we can be drawn into that, and we can actually live out in our state of life, which is different uh, in a unique way. Yeah, and I would just re-echo what Father John is pointing to in that uh, it starts in your marriages. It starts in your family life. If I had the opportunity to, to take all of my parishioners and send them back home to give them a homework project to reinvest in cultivating uh, a familial life again, I would not have cho chosen the means of COVID to do that. But it's happening. And now that people are being drawn out, they're actually realizing I have a mission and a purpose. Uh, a husband and a, and, and a wife who actually say, I don't just send my kids to school to educate them. I have a responsibility to educate them. And my kids aren't being taught unless they're going to Catholic school right now. Uh, I don't even know if public schools are back in session yet. Um, so they're realizing they have a unique dignity. They have a unique role that is irreplaceable. And what we're trying to, to point to is live the communion that is already possible in the vocations that you find yourself in. You are a husband, you are a father, you are a mother, you are a teacher, you are a laborer, you are a co-worker, you are a, a son and a daughter. All of these point back into uh, these relational imageries that Archbishop is so keen on right now. You know, he's so fixated on John 15. You know, are you, do you remain in me? If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me, that's a communal image. 
It's not just, are you working for me? And so often as, as priests, I find myself, I do so many good things for you, God. And he says back to me, I don't want you to do things for me. I want you to do things with me. And I think as, as persons in this, in this culture, we realize I want to work with others. I don't want to just carry the day myself. I want to have others that I'm collaborating with. That's why your association is really important. Anytime I find that somebody's moved to Denver, I'm like, go check out the companies that are affiliated with, you know, Legatus or, you know, young Catholic workers or whatever it's called, young Catholic business professionals, whatever I'm not. Um, the, uh, and just say, you should try to train under somebody who actually sees this as a value. It will not only help you in your business life, it'll actually think, help you in your faith life and your married life and possibly even in your family life. So the, the same realities that we are kind of perceiving in our own life are being re-echoed in yours. And oftentimes it's actually looking at your lives that we say, we don't have that as priests. Like, what does it mean that if you're so busy uh, serving, you know, in the apostolate that you're eating a, a can of tuna over the sink, you know, for your, you know, evening dinner? It's like, no, I, it actually, it's actually a human reality to sit and commune with another person, to ask about their life, to share what's going on in yours, and then to go out back in mission. It's not just that we're interested in forming a clubhouse where we can all retreat back to and, you know, clink our glasses and say, oh, how hard we work. No, it's, it's going back to this source of communion impels us back out to be able to serve you with a, a greater joy. And I think that's what happens whenever you go home from your, from your job, from your labors, you go back home, and then hopefully that life is actually forming you in such a way that you're impelled back out into mission. It's a fruit of communion. Yesterday, I met a couple at uh, this great coffee shop called Steam Espresso Bar. This is a good one, too. Uh, Andrew Whaley does a great job here. But Steam is up by South Pearl, and I met this couple. And I usually, uh, when I meet certain couples, when I know they're not practicing and they're going to be a little nervous about the, uh, okay, thank you. Um, That's the we, watch. We have the uh, watch here. That's yeah. the watch. Wink. When I know they're nervous about meeting, so we have a fallen away Catholic girl and a non-Catholic guy who have been living together for six years. It's a little easier to have a cappuccino, all right, than bring them into a, a scary church office. That's just what I found. So I'm sitting with him. An hour later, the guy says to me, he goes, you're going to make me a Catholic. And I was like, how's that going to happen? I was so shocked. I was like, how? And he goes, he goes, you actually are just investing in us. And he's like, it makes me want to know what you're about. And I was like, well, that actually worked. I was like, crazy, you know, because you just had no idea. So pray for, pray for Ryan. Um, they needed that touch. They didn't need to be, especially millennials, like they did not need to be put into the grinder of a program uh, where they're just going to kind of start doing paperwork and then eventually they're going to meet the priest, you know, nine months later, this is, this is not going to work anymore. We have to kind of lead with relationship. And uh, Ryan is going to be a guy that I think the Holy Spirit brought into my life. I don't have time for a lot of Ryans, but I'm like, this guy is worth investing in because he's an impressive guy. He's a lawyer and ultimately he's open. He's, there's an openness to him, and you can take somebody so far. And I think you all have Ryans in your life. Like, I think that God is going to bring the, if you, if, you, if you can't think of anybody right now, pray that God will bring them into, this guy dropped out of nowhere, and I was just like, this is going to be interesting, because sometimes they don't end like that, right? Believe it or not, they don't always go like that. But there are Ryans in your life who just, you need to just give them an experience of community. 
And that means just pulling the, the guys in the neighborhood or the couples of your, I don't know, do people play Bunko anymore? I don't even know. My mom used to play Bunko. Okay. Whatever you do and whoever you're with, this is the moment to begin communicating the experience of the church as a community. And it's probably not going to take place in a parish run by parish staff, right? It's something that needs to happen at the ground level. It should involve the parish. It's not contrary to that, but it needs to happen in your neighborhoods, in your lives, in the context. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to just light people on fire and he's going to use you. And we can't wait for the priests to do it. We're trying to do the best we can to form and help you with that. But ultimately, you are given the task of sanctifying the temporal realm. That is the lay vocation. That is what you're about. And there is such a temptation in the church right now to retreat and to recreate bastions and fortresses and everybody to hide. And you know what? That is exactly what we cannot do. Right? We need to be on the front lines. We need to be on the fringes. And we need to be in those people's lives, like Ryan, who are just waiting for somebody to show up and have a conversation with them. Right? So I guess to close this off, be bold. This is a very impressive and beautiful group of people. But most importantly, this is a group of people that are open to the gifts of the Spirit. And God's going to bring all kinds of amazing people into your life. And if you're living in communion with Jesus, you will be open to the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. It's going to happen in unexpected and beautiful ways. I don't know if I have any shout-outs. Do you have any shout-outs? Well, I I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mark Bauman, uh, whose son Lyle was in my first Bible study at uh, University of Denver. Um, oftentimes we don't realize, uh, the parents of the person, uh, who is so impressive that, uh, I literally had to do nothing, nothing at DU. I, I showed up and there were two guys, Lyle and this other guy, Matt Bigelow. And, uh, they said, we want to do Bible study. And I said, you do? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, I guess we go over here and we talk about the scriptures. And they're like, okay. And, and at some point I'm just like, where did you come from? Like, who is your parents? You know? And, uh, I remember going over to their house and, and, uh, sampling their, uh, garlic jars. They had these like turbo garlic jars. And I'm like, they're still living a human life. Like there are still people that are making like artisan things and Mason jars. But that, that was also the sacrifice of a father and a mother who actually continued to take their child to mass. People say like, Oh my gosh, how did you become a priest? I'm like, my dad made me go to mass every Sunday and we prayed before meals. We did not pray the rosary. Uh, I did not know that my dad had a scripture devotion, but he did. My dad prayed the rosary on, on his car ride, but we didn't pray it as a, as a family. But I, if I would point back to two things that actually converted me, it was that we went to mass as a family every Sunday and uh, he, we prayed grace before every meal. And usually it was a combination between uh, conservative talk radio and uh, EWTN. So it was like, depending on which one he was listening to. So like we'd be sitting in front of our green beans and it was like, Lord, we don't know what this NAFTA agreement is going to do, but we just, we just ask that you take care of it. Amen. I was like, amen. You know? Um, but, uh, but I, I just want to acknowledge Mark and Nancy for uh, what they, what they did, you know, to yeah. raise beautiful children. I think just to conclude, thank Rob. Thank you for having us. Thanks for That's fighting. true. Thank you for perseverance, man, in getting us here. We are uh, not the easiest, and so thank you. Uh, we're going to give you an award. We're going to make up yeah. an award. The, the Catholic stuff. The Catholic award. stuff. You should know. Legatus yeah. Award exactly. goes to Robitaille. No, but I, honestly, thank you, Rob. Yeah, we really are grateful to be with you. So, by the way, Rob actually said to us, he's like, "Here are the people that have spoken before you. Here are the kinds of topics that they've had, like." please spend some time thinking about this. And we're like, okay, Rob, 
you listen to the podcast, we'll see about that. Um, again, we would just encourage you, if you want to check out the podcast, it is a helpful reality. If you know people who haven't, uh, they, they can't find an entrance point into people talking about the faith, um, sometimes it's a helpful resource. If they think that formed is better, please direct them that way. So thank you. You can find us at catholicstuffpodcast.com. Maybe we can send this out. Or it's on iTunes, Spotify, everything. Just type in Catholic Stuff, it'll pull up. And there's hundreds of episodes. But again, it is kind of an unassuming and disarming way of kind of sneaking it into people's lives. They, it's surprising. they got to like me, too, because there's going to be a lot of that. So thank you again for having us tonight. Great to be with you.